Welcome back to another episode of Practical Theology for Practically Everyone, where we're talking about some big theological ideas and how they apply to our lives ultimately, because our faith always gets lived out. Remember that theology matters to everyone because everyone matters to God. My name is Jeremy Smith, and I'm joined by my good friend, like always, Morgan Morrow. Glad to be talking with you, Morgan. And we're going to be talking about a topic that's it's really a hot topic in our culture right now, and, and it's always been. But it, we're going to be talking about identity. That's right. Identity is one of the most powerful influences on our daily lives, on the big spectrum of our whole life. Uh, and we just want to, we want to consider where does that identity come from? Who do we get it from? Do we get it from the world? Is it from our parents? Do we get it from God? Um, and what, does, what do we think that God thinks of us? That's equally powerful. That's exactly right. I mean, the question of who am I and who am I becoming and who does God want me to be? Those are important questions. All right. So talking all about identity, this podcast is sponsored by Crosspoint Church in Northwest Florida. If you want to learn more about that church, go to crosspoint.church. So here it goes. We've actually got two episodes on this, part one, part two. We had so much to talk about when it comes to identity. Hope you enjoy. All right, Morgan, we're talking about identity, Yep. digging into kind of what makes us who we are, I think, is the, the definition of identity. What do you think about that? Um, I think it's probably one of the most powerful influences on human life. Who mm. you think you are? What, what are you capable of? What are you not capable of? Um, how do you see yourself in your job, in your relationships? Is there like a set pattern that you're supposed to adhere to, you know? <laughs> Everything in the world is trying to shape our identity, isn't it? Right. I mean, we have so many things pouring into us all the time. We're like an open receptacle. Constantly things are coming into us trying to shape who we are intentionally or unintentionally. And, you know, I think there's a lot of different directions that we've gone with what makes us who we are. Some people define themselves as an athlete, as a musician, by their gender, by their race, by what they do. In fact, I think that would be the most common theme, thing that people def define themselves as. If you ask them uh, you know, to explain who they are or try to talk about themselves, they're going to start with what they do. <laughs> you told a funny story about people defining themselves by their, their truck, right? Or right, their car. yeah. Well, I taught high school, and uh, sometimes if a kid said, hey, do you know so-and-so? If I said no, instead of describing them to me, they would say what car they drive. <laughs> <laughs> guys, I don't know what cars y'all drive, but it brings up the question, um, is there a difference between um, the real you and the image of who you think you are? Mm. And, and, or how and, others view you. And how others view you. And what is the real you? That's the question. Who is the real me? Right. Who is the real you? And how do we find that? And does God have anything to say about that? What well, does our faith have to say about that? Um, scriptures, for sure, are full of... Um, conversations about identity in the Old Testament. When God did something in somebody's life, He often changed their name. Yeah, Abraham, Abram to Abraham. That's right, and um, Jacob to Israel. Mm -hmm. um, Sarah to Sarah, almost the same name, <laughs> but means a little, really, a little yeah, different. Yeah, mean a little bit different. But he it, he was making a point that um, that was the old you, and this is the true self. This that, is the true you. That's one of the major thrusts of the whole Bible. One of the major messages 
of the whole Bible. First off, there is a God, right? <laughs> and He wants a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. The first two chapters of the Bible are us in perfect relationship with Him, Adam and Eve, that whole sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The last two chapters of the Bible in Revelation are us back in perfect relationship with Him mm-hmm. in a new heaven and a new earth, like a new creation. And the rest of the Bible is Him sort of trying to get us back into that kind of relationship with us, restore us to the the people he created and the relationship that he wants with us. And ultimately that all hinges on Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. When he comes on the scene in the new Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all that sort of flips. And we have, we go from uh, an old way of living to a new way of living, I guess is a, in a, uh, a way you could say that. That's right. The apostle Paul who wrote most of the uh, new Testament and shaped the way we feel about Christianity as much as probably anybody in history, uh, a lot of his theology was built around this concept of the old man and the new creation. Mm-hmm. And you could look at that just as easily as the, the false self, the one that you think, how you think of yourself and the true self. As a matter of fact, the last book in the Bible, Revelation, the believer meets Christ face to face and Christ hands the believer a white stone. Mm-hmm. And on that white stone is written your true name, which it's like going back to the Old Testament again. You're now being given your real identity. Mm. What you did think, that self-image, just the word image, one of the connotations of image is that it's not actually the real thing. It's kind of like it, but it's not the real thing. Our self-image comes from a lot of faulty places. Mm. Um, How accurate would would, would the image that other school children on the playground have had on us when we were small. Right. Yet we got a lot of who we, how we thought about ourselves from that. Or even parents who they just are broken themselves and and project their brokenness onto us. And it becomes who we are, how uh, we think about ourselves. As much as they love us, they are imperfect. Right. So that's where a lot of that self image comes from. And I think it's important to remember that that's image and only Christ can tell us who we really are. And we have to be our true self to be in relationship with anybody, our Mm. spouse, our children, our parents. Um, The false man cannot be in a true relationship. So Christ has to, we have to be a new creation, a new creature to be in relationship with Christ to start with because the old self is false. It's an illusion. What a great way to say that. I've never thought about it like this, but just to be in relationship with my wife, to have true intimacy. And that's what we all crave as human beings. We need it. Right. In fact, if you don't have touch and intimacy as a baby, it's not just that you're, you're ill-adjusted. It's that you could die. That's how important it is to us. But true intimacy that we all crave, let's say intimacy with my wife, not just physically, but in every way, um, only happens if I am vulnerable and I reveal myself and I sort of... Uh, open up to her. And, and the, when we do that with each other, a new thing comes about. The Bible talks about two becoming one. It's like a new creation in that way. But I can, if I don't come to her at, at least as much of who I am as I know how to be, mm-hmm. if I don't come to her as I am, another way to say that I think might be like, come as you are. If I mm-hmm. don't come to her as I am, then we'll never have intimacy and we can never have that f- the fullness of the relationship that we want and that we all crave. There's a great story that that's an, a, a wonderful example of this. Actually, from the Cold War of all places, there was a KGB agent born in East Germany, and uh, he 
uh, went through the school to be a spy, learned a perfect New York accent, was placed in the United States, in New York City, and he was just a sleeper. He was told, be a normal person, get a job, go through your life. We may ask you to do something, we may not. And for the first 10 years, they didn't ask him to do anything. And then they started, the, the KGB started giving him some little jobs to do. Meanwhile, while he's getting a job and going through his life, he falls in love and gets married and he has a child. Mm. Well, when the little girl is born, he said his life literally went from the world is black and white to the world is in full color. <laughs> this man has had a dramatic personal experience. And when the day came when uh, he was contacted and told, you've been compromised, you have to get out, you can't even go home and tell your family, mm. he basically said no. Wow. So from the moment that child is born, love absolutely transformed him and who he was and he is now now he's got to be honest with his wife Mm. his entire life had been a lie love literally changed him that's what happens to a believer and and that's the beginning point of understanding who you are and who you've been created to be your identity is understanding exactly what we're talking about that until we're really honest with ourselves about that until we admit that there's this dynamic between an old self and a new self or yep. a false self and a true self or the old creation and a new creation. Second Corinthians five seventeen talks about anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And we will talk about that when we talk about transformation, hopefully, mm-hmm. but um, until we realize that there's something that we're not quite yet mm-hmm. and that we have to die to something else to become that. Right. Um, then we'll never become who we've been created to be. And that, that is, where our faith be- in Jesus specifically, the Christian faith becomes very, very important because the prerequisite to following Jesus is confession and repentance. Mm-hmm. It's a recognition that I, I'm I'm living in an old self that's not really who I've been created to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I have some need for someone, a savior to help me or to not help me, to make me who I have been created to be, to make me new in some way, right? Because we have not only turned away from God, we've turned away from our true self. That's good. That's good. (laughs) We're not living as who we who we've been created to be. This is something about Christianity that I think people miss is um, a lot of times when we talk about Christianity, it's all about like what, what we have to give up in order to follow Jesus. But it's really way more about what I'm gaining, what I've been missing out on, what I've been giving up by not following Jesus. The image of that, that KGB spy is such a great image because what he was was not true to start with. So when he gave that mm. up, he was giving up nothing. Oh, that's good. What he got was a life, not black and white, but full of color, full of love, relationship with a daughter, relationship with a wife, and then for the first time, relationship with other people. The fact that he got compromised, he was very he was picked up later by the FBI, and he had been here for so long that when the FBI re- uh, arrested him, his first comment was, "What took y'all so long?" <laughs> uh, he might not have said y'all. He probably wasn't Southern, but he was uh, he was surprised that he was able to fake it for that long. Mm. Um, that KG uh, that that FBI agent that arrested him became the godfather of his daughter. Oh wow! Because the guy changed that much. Um, and now he speaks in churches, actually. So that's powerful what you just said. He was able to fake it for that long. Yeah. But I think 
one of the main factors of brokenness in our world. There's sin that causes us to separate from God and drift further from God. By the way, sin also separates us from each other. But um, one of the main factors of the brokenness in our world is that so many of us are going through life just faking it. And we're faking it for ourselves, toward ourselves as much as we are for anybody. But we, if you if you believe that's who you are, then you're going to live up to what you think you are. I taught high school for 26 years, and I saw kids over and over. If they didn't think they could do something, they couldn't do it. Mm. Um, and the ones that had a sense of self confidence, they just achieved more. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was it was almost like in their minds, and it's in our minds too. I've seen it in myself that. Our life is set in stone. This is who I am, and this is what's going to happen because of that. Um, breaking free of that stone surface and, and letting that life, this inside out, that's what it means for the old man to die. It's not letting go of things that are wonderful. It's letting go of something that's false. You said something interesting there. You said, I'm like faking it for myself. As much as for others. Um, and what does that mean? I'm downplaying who I've been created to be? I think what it means is if you ask somebody, do you know who you are? They'll go, yeah, I know exactly who I am. But I'm I'm not sure that is as accurate as they think it is. Hmm. Well. So, I mean, some, we hear people say you have low self-esteem. Well, that by definition means you're it's inaccurate, your view of yourself. And then you hear other people described as egomaniacs, which is the exact opposite <laughs> of the spectrum. <laughs> So, so in some ways this is about, I hear people talk about being balanced, but really it's more about if I live in who I've really been created to be, if I, if I can, or or the more aligned I am with who I really am, Mm. then the more, um, confident, powerful, successful in some ways my life will be. I think it's more about freedom and unburdening gotcha. than, than anything else. When, when Jesus had his famous uh, invitation, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. It's not that if you come to him, he's going to magically change you. It's, and that happens too. It's not magic. is not the right word. But um, if you, and he's talking about being unburdened by a false self because mm. he his words are, I am gentle and humble in heart. Humility is recognizing exactly who you are. Mm. It's not looking down on yourself. It's not thinking of yourself less. It's thinking less of yourself. Yeah, that's C.S. Lewis right there. That's right. right? Uh, there's something interesting. We've, we've tried to develop some values for our family, like what makes us Smiths, you know, mm-hmm. to pass on to our kids. And, right. and one of them is... Humility and the way we talked about it was think highly of yourself and think highly of other people, <laughs> mm, mm. you know, because what I'm trying to say is when, when we're talking about identity, the, the first thing or one of the first things other than I'm not who I need to be yet, or I'm not, I don't often live as who I've been created to be because of false images and false things in my life and recognizing that that's the old man. But another one is I've been created in the image of God. Right. And that is, that means I'm very valuable on one hand. And at the same time, the, the exact same as everybody else. Um, it, what, what I really mean by it, I think is 
It means that I'm more than who I think I am. Exactly. And so are, so is everybody else. Exactly. Uh, the thing that saved that Russian spy is love. Mm. Um, a lot of it, we used, to, we used to use the phrase a lot more than we do now, the, the idea of accepting Christ. Accepting Christ is one thing, but accepting that you are accepted completely, mm. that's a completely different level. That's, that's liberating. Gotcha. And what and there's a there's a grace in grace out factor. Um, when you have really received grace, then that overflows. Um, so you're you can be gracious not only to the people around you, you can be gracious to yourself. And now that really is a learning process. The Apostle Paul, uh, one of his most interesting statements was I, f- I forget which book is in, which letter is in, but he said, um, "I don't care if you judge me. I don't even judge myself." Mm. He, knew, he said, the, the human heart is deceptive. I might not even judge myself accurately. He could say that so confidently because he knew he would be judged by grace. Wow. That's good. <laughs> That's really good. And, um, and that comes back to, you can't really know who you've been created to be until you get to know the creator. It sure is um, a lot better... Um, way of identifying yourself than being uh, validated by others. Mm. That that is a, that being validated by whoever it is as a child with the parents. That is not a good substitute uh, for being validated by God. So let's let's talk about all the things that we put in the that we try to, I guess this is the better way to say it, that we try to build our identity upon in this world. I think uh, for men, a lot of it is what I can do and what I can't do, which which sometimes equals how much money can I make? Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how influential am I? What, what kind of vehicle do I drive? Those kind of very, very shallow things. But I think most people are beyond that. They're at least aware that that's kind of a super superficial way of judging themselves. But oftentimes we still... Um, wind up judging ourselves on pretty superficial uh, standards. Um, like I talked about earlier, how we look. Right. Um, and, and in the South, were you a good athlete growing up? Or, <laughs> you know, how smart are you? Or um, it's just really hard to believe that every single human being is just absolutely priceless, that they have an indescribable value in the eyes of God. But if you really believe that, everything changes. Now, here's an interesting question. Yeah, I think you're right. If, if you could really believe not only that you're priceless, but you're priceless because you're loved by God and you're created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. That's why you're priceless because of that. Then that, that is self-worth. It's um, the beginning of a relationship with the creator. It's security that I'm perfectly loved no right. matter what I do. No matter my performance, that's real security, and that's the beginning of intimacy and being able to really trust God. Right. Um, so I, I think that's really, really important, um, and and that's why building our identity upon anything but our relationship with God and what God says about us is super shaky, because everything else is, everything in this world is um, an image at some level, right. or, or at least I'd say it like this less real than God is. Mm. And um, so, but at the same time, having said that, there there are certain things, we've been talking about old man, new man, that kind of thing. There are certain things that we're born with that 
still remain a part of who we are even after our relate even after we begin a new relationship with yes. God. There's that phrase uh, original sin. Yeah. Um but there's a much more ancient original innocence. Hmm. Um Adam was not born in sin. Right. He was born into innocence and he was born into a relationship with God where God literally walked in the garden with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was broken. One of the saddest sentences in the Bible is Adam, where are you? Mm. Mm. That, and that plays right into identity because the reason they were hiding was because they felt shame mm-hmm. and they, they recognize their nakedness. They feel shame. They know they've disobeyed God. So they begin to hide they cover themselves up. I mean, if this isn't the uh, 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 an analogy of what we do in our lives, mm. <laughs> guilt and shame, things that happened to us in our past, things that we go through, they cause us to feel certain ways about ourselves. They shape who we think, what we think about ourselves and who we think we really are. And we hide ourselves from other people because we don't want to be real to them. And then that causes all sorts of other problems in our life and in our relationship with God. For instance, Right after Adam and Eve are, are covering up and they're kicked out of the garden, Cain and Abel come about. Mm. You know, these are the two brothers, and Cain ends up killing Abel because he's jealous of him. He's jealous of his offering mm-hmm. to God. And God sends Cain out into the land east of Eden. It's the land of Nod, which means the land of wondering. That's that's where we find ourselves in, in this world, is we're in this place of wondering where we're constantly covering up ourselves. We don't really know who we are. And what happens in the land of wondering, even in that story, is they begin to build cities for themselves, structures for themselves to find purpose and to find identity, mm-hmm. to find the things that they they needed from God, but not the, now they're trying to find replacements from. And that, that ultimately finds its climax in Genesis, right before you, you get to the Abraham story, in the Tower of Babel, they they're trying to build this tower that gets them to God. Right. <laughs> they're trying to control their access to God and, and really be gods themselves, and that's the whole human existence: mm-hmm. us covering up things, us trying to create structures and relationships and all kinds of things for ourselves to find identity and purpose. We're trying to earn our way back into the garden. We're trying to recover. That's Genesis right. one and two. Well, and here's the thing about the world today: there, there are still there's beauty in the world. There's incredible beauty in the universe, um, physical beauty, the, the, just the beauty of love between human beings, design, the whole thing, uh, and that's that's to me is what's left over from the Garden of Eden. Um, I remember 2011 when a when a tornado just absolutely ripped through uh, Tuscaloosa, my my hometown. Um, at places it was a mile wide and it was just at, there was nothing left. It sucked the, the, the grass off the ground in places. Mm. And I had a lot of time during the summer because I taught high school. I uh, volunteered to help clean up and, and I would spend all day long in this dust bowl where everything was just destroyed. And then I would get in my, tr- my truck and drive back home. And within just a couple of minutes, I'm back into this lush, green, beautiful Alabama summer. And it just, it impressed on me so much that, the world really does still have enormous beauty. There are mm. still signs of the, the creativity of God that was that was in the Garden of Eden, but it's just broken, and we get so much of our sense of who we are um, from that brokenness. That that goes back to what I, what I was talking about earlier, that there's remnants of 
who I've been created to be left in me. Yes. From even from birth. And I, I mean, I see them from birth. They're part of who I am. They make up who I am, but it's just all this brokenness that gets in the way of, of that. Even people who would have just terrible low self-esteem, you know, in, in life or death situation, they're struggling for that last breath. Mm. They see the value and we see the value in our own life. The vast majority of the time. So that's imprinted on our deep psyche. I'll tell you what I, I did, an exercise I did uh, two or three years ago. Because this was kind of, I was, I think I was sort of understanding this at some level. I, I, I went back and I listed out, and I still have this note. I listed out everything I thought about who I was when I was a kid. Mm. Okay, so I have this whole list, happy, blonde-headed, you know, whatever. I go through this whole list because I was thinking to myself, if I could just get back to that person when I was a kid, it's before a lot of the guilt and shame. It's before a lot of the brokenness. It's before the bad decisions. It's before the hurt heart. Right. It's before um, a lot of the things that have shaped my identity really came about. So surely this is a big part of who I really am, this kid. Right. And so I began to list out all this stuff and, and I have this whole list and it was refreshing to do that. But even after I did that, <clears throat> and it was really important for me to do that, to go back and remember some of this stuff because it's still there. But even as I did that, I realized I'm not that person anymore. Mm. And all those things over all these years that have affected me negatively or positively have formed the person that I am right now. It's okay. like that movie Inside Out. Did you ever watch that movie? It's an animated movie. Yeah. Okay, so it, it's it's basically you get insight into this little mm -hmm. girl's emotions and mm -hmm. joy is constantly trying to rule the day. Right. <laughs> joy is that's and that's we want happiness, right? We want joy. That's that's a great feeling. And kind of discount sadness mm -hmm. in the girl's life. But it turns out, spoiler alert here. It turns out that sadness is just as important as joy is and mm. just as important as any other emotion that this girl has. Mm -hmm. It's like all the things that I've gone through, even though they're the result of brokenness, some of them, you combine that with who I, who I was as that little kid, who, by the way, was shaped a lot by my parents mm -hmm. and the people I was around. Um, and that's sort of who make, what makes me me or who I am, right? Right. Well, what's the, what's the old quote? Um, joy is God whispering to you. Suffering is God with a megaphone. Right. He gets our attention. Yeah. He calls us back to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the human experience of who I am. And God has been, even if I don't believe in God, God has been working in all of that mm -hmm. for my good and his glory to bring me into a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So we have all of this that we think make that we think makes us who we are, and it's not really who we are. There's something more that we're missing, and that's that's our relationship with God. Someone said, uh, "Man is a mystery to himself." Yeah. So what do you mean by that? Um, it's, it's one thing to to understand that God is so big that we couldn't possibly really understand him. His ways are as far above our ways as the heavens are above the earth. But maybe we don't even understand how huge he made the human heart hmm. because he wanted, he wants to inhabit it himself. Hmm. So there's this 
I, I, and I can't, I can't remember who came up with this, but it's a pretty common Christian idea. There's this hole in our heart or in our lives that only God can fill that right, idea. Right. So it doesn't even matter. Do all the psychoanalysis you want to do, do all the personality testing you want to do, do all the therapy you want to do, all the self-reflection you want to do. And you're still going to be missing a big part of who you've been created to be. Yes, because you've been created to be just like Adam and Eve in perfect relationship with God. Mm. That's good. And, and, and what we believe as Jesus followers is the way to relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that starts at the cross. That goes back to what we talked about. That starts with confronting who the false things in my life the sin in my life and giving it to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned he's humble in heart. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. All that kind of stuff from Matthew chapter 11, I think. Yeah. He's the, he is the most approachable human being in history. Right. There's a, there's a scripture in Colossians three that I love. And I think about it when it comes to identity, it's Colossians three, 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 four. They're two of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. And he says, for you died. They were, this is the old man and the new man sort of thing mm-hmm. for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It's that white stone. Right. There's something that we're discovering in our relationship with God about who we are. Mm-hmm. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And I just love I'm with Christ in God. It's like this big group hug. <laughs> right. We're wrapped up together. Um, that's the relationship. Yes that you're talking about real relationship hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life, hmm. I've abandoned everything else to follow Jesus. Um, I'm, I'm laying everything else down to follow Jesus. Christ who is your life appears. Then you also will appear with him in glory. And people take that verse. You also will appear with him in glory to mean like when Jesus comes back, then, then I'll really be who I've been created to be. And that is true in some sense, but I think there's a, that process is going on right now too. Well, the, the more, the more I'm in, the more I'm in God with Christ, the more Christ is seen in me and through me. And the more I become who I've been created to be like Jesus. The scene that we've already talked about, the white stone, um, that, Revelation is uh, Revelations is such a metaphoric, symbolic piece of literature, uh, and it can have multiple levels of meaning. One of the meanings may be when we see Christ, we will understand the truth more than we've ever understood it. That's for sure. Mm. But it could also mean that we are learning our identity through Him through every step of the process. Yeah. He is day by day giving us the white stone. Um, those things aren't mutually exclusive. Mm. Um, I think He is already giving us that new name Um, and he will give it to us to, to the degree that we're open to receive it. Well, we really haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what it means to talk about identity and all that's involved in identity at the end of part one here. That's why we had to break this podcast up into two parts. We hope that you'll join us for part two of us talking about identity. We're going to pick up where we left off at the end of part one. But this is such an important topic because how we see God influences how we see ourselves and how we see ourselves influences how we live 
in this world. We hope this has been helpful for you, not only to understand some big theological topics, but also maybe to be thinking about some ways we can live this out. We hope that God has spoken to you in those ways because faith is always lived out. This has been Practical Theology for Practically Everyone. Remember that theology matters to everyone because everyone matters to God.